are not always great buys. And to not be emotional about it, to be objective, and to, to make sure that we've all heard the old adage, you make your money going into the deal, not coming out of the deal. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode, are you looking for some financing, maybe some more money to do your fix and flip projects? Are you looking to grow your fix and flip business? Well, guess what? Got a solution for you. It's Fun That Flip. You know Fun That Flip. Matt Rodak, the founder of Fun That Flip, has been on the show multiple times. He's a friend of mine, and they love working with the best ever listeners. They provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy, and you can get funded in as few as seven days that quick. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, Go to fundthatflip.com. That's F-U-N-D-T-H-A-T-F-L-I-P.com. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluff with us today. Chris Heller, how are you doing, Chris? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Well, nice to have you on the show. And a little bit about Chris. He is the owner of the Heller Real Estate Group. He sold over 3,600 homes in his real estate career, former CEO of Keller Williams International Realty International and uh, Keller Williams Regional OP and multiple market center OP. What does OP stand for? The operating partner means that I own the majority of and run a market center, which is what we call an official region of the company. Okay. Based in sunny San Diego, California. So with that being said, Chris, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. I got my license when I was 20 years old. In 1983, I was a sophomore in college. Real estate's been my one and only career. I still have a team in San Diego, the Heller, the home seller team that's been selling homes for all these years. You know, we'll sell 160, 170 homes again this year. The last several years have spent my time working with Keller Williams at our headquarters, helping run the company. I'm no longer doing that. Now I'm focused on building my businesses, but also looking at new opportunities and new ways of impacting the real estate industry. So what's the primary way you make money right now? Primary way I make money is off my real estate businesses, my brokerages, my team, and my real estate investments. So let's talk about those investments. So what type of properties do you invest in? My philosophy has always been about the same, and that is they're opportunity purchases. So just always looking for the opportunities and to acquire properties at a good deal that makes sense, that are quality properties and make great rentals. So they're anything from single family homes to condos to duplexes. It's not so much the type of property as it is the opportunity and the type of deal. Mm. That's interesting. So what would be the type of opportunity? And maybe if you can give a specific example, that would help kind of clear up the ambiguity of opportunity purchases. Sure. When we're talking to as many consumers as we talk to every year, there's always opportunities come up. There's people that say, hey, look, I just want this for my home. Or as long as you can get me this, I'll sell the home. Or will you just buy my home? I need it quick. I don't want to put it on the market for whatever reasons. There's usually a variety of reasons. And as long as I get this, it accomplishes my goals and I'm happy. And so many of those are good opportunities. And as long as the client understands that they're foregoing additional potential profits by not marketing the property and 
exposing it to the whole market and they're good with that and willing to sign off on that, then it becomes a win-win situation. Will you give us an example of a property you've bought in that scenario? Sure. I actually have a couple that I'm looking at right now, two different ones in North County in San Diego, where in both cases, the seller has said, hey, can you just buy the property for this? So we work out the price. And sometimes it's what they want because what they want is fair. Sometimes what they want is won't work because I have to factor in what I might need to do to the property to remarket it or to turn it into a rental. And so I disclose that to them. And if they're good with that, then I move forward and buy the property. There was one I bought at the end of last year, which was a property near the beach. And then she wanted a price just rounding off as a $1.1 million property. And that was a really fair price. And I knew I'd need to put in some money to fix it up, which I did. So she got what she wanted. I got the property, fixed it up, ran the property very quickly for $6,000 a month. And it's a great quality property for a long-term hold. I have other opportunities. Depend on the market. In a down market, they come in the form many times of, of foreclosures or short sales. In, in down markets, I always took advantage of that and bought several short sales in the last down market or some foreclosures. And those are properties that you're able to buy it. I'll give you a couple of quick examples. One in Carlsbad, a townhome for 225000 in 2011 that now selling for 500000 I had positive cash flow from day one and, and I have some foreclosures I bought in the 90s that still have some of them. In fact, some of them are paid off now. I bought them so long ago. When I say opportunity purchases, those are the types of options. Mm-hmm. Back to that one example, the 1.1 million dollar property, which was, as you said, a fair price and it rents for 6000 You said it's a good long-term hold. I think that's the phrasing you used. Just from a cash flow standpoint, from a high level, I just look at the numbers for any property and I just take the rent divided by the all-in price and then you try and be somewhere between 1% to 2%. And in this one, it's half of a percent. So are you able to cash flow on that? That one's about a break even. When I bought that in December, the loan I got on it was three and a quarter percent. And that was with, I think, 25% down. So that one breaks even. But that property, I can put that property on the market right now and probably sell it for 1.5. Mm-hmm. So I factor in the fact that I was also buying something at a really good price. And I don't plan to sell that because it's, it happens to be in a neighborhood in the street that I really like to have on some other property. And I have four kids that are becoming grown-ups, and someday some of these properties might be opportunities for them. Mm -hmm. How do you manage your portfolio? Assume you mean literally manage, as in property manage. That's correct. Yeah, yes, that is correct. Yeah, yeah. So I have a gal on my team that handles the properties for me, and she's been managing properties for 20 years for me and for some of my clients. So she does that. If I didn't have her, then I would hire someone to do it. It's not worth the headache. I mean, if someone has one or two properties, that's one thing. But when you get past that, then it makes more sense to pay someone who's really good at doing it. They don't have to deal with the hassle and the headache. What's been a challenging investment property that you've purchased? Can you tell us a story about that? Most of them have not been challenging for two reasons. Number one, I make sure they're quality properties and quality areas. And with that, it's easier to get quality tenants. The other reason that most of them haven't been a challenge is that 
we really do a great job at not only screening the prospective tenant, but making sure that we price them at a way where we have a lot of demand for the property and allows us to be really selective. And the people that rent them know that they're getting a good deal. Now, the reality of it is they may be paying 100 or 200 bucks a month less than the market, but that's a big deal to them. And if it allows me to get a much higher quality tenant, I'll take that every day. But to answer your question, I guess if there was one, I had a fourplex in Oceanside that was in a low income area and these were four little studio bungalows and three of them were great tenants. One of them turned out to be a guy on drugs. It was a a challenge constantly and the eviction was a challenge and, and all those things. But that's with all the properties I've owned over all the years, I have to think real hard about one that was a challenge. And, and in retrospect, it wasn't that big of a challenge. Yeah, that's pretty good. I hadn't thought of it that way, how you described where you price it so that you have a lot of demand, not necessarily with the primary objective of getting a quick tenant in there, but the primary objective of actually having a lot of people to select from because ultimately we lose the most amount of our money typically on tenant turnover when we have an investment property. And so I suspect since they know they're getting a good deal, they're likely to stay longer than what a tenant would if they were paying the market rate or above. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. The losses are in the vacancy between tenant turnovers. I always do everything we can to to minimize that. I'd rather have people immediately wanting to move in and take the properties. Here's an example. I closed on a new construction in out-of-state and put that property up for rent and within three days had someone who wanted, this was last week actually, and they wanted it as of August 1st. Because I knew I'd priced it so well, I was able to say, I don't want to wait till August 1st. I think I'll have someone that will take it before then. And they said, okay, we'll take it July 15th. So that's a good way to minimize the downtime because if you have a property that rents for two or 3000 bucks a month and it sits for one month, you're better off offering it out for 100 or $200 a month less and getting it done quicker. It'll be money ahead. What's been the best performing deal that you've done from an investment property standpoint? There's different ways to measure performance. There's just the black and white of it, the return. But another way to measure performance is on the amount of hassles or non-hassles or turnover. I have one property that I bought in 1993 that has the same tenant in it from 1993. (laughs) They've lived there all those years. And they've done as many or more improvements to the property as I have and treat it like their own house. So in my mind, that's a really (laughs) well-performing investment. And I typically take a long-term approach. There's the occasional ones that we'll buy specifically for the purpose of turning or flipping, but most of them are with the idea of a long-term hold. And in Southern California, if you buy them right, it doesn't take long. Like I mentioned, that townhome that I bought in 2011 or 2012, that's more than doubled in value or some single-family detached homes that I've purchased in that same time period that have doubled in value. Those are all, by any measure, would be considered well-performing. Mm-hmm. I hadn't thought of it that way when you define performance in different ways, like one of them is the non-hassles. The 1993 property, 
Is that a single family house? Yes. Okay. Did you inherit that tenant or was that someone that you brought in? No, it was a property I bought as a foreclosure. I had to remodel it. It had been owned by a lady that had a lot of cats, maybe hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> and and um, we had to completely gut it and sterilize it and everything else. And so then put on the market and got the tenant and, and they've stayed ever since. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? So the advice that I've gotten, that's how wealth is created in real estate. As real estate professionals, we make a living off our commission, but we create wealth through our investments. The advice that I give myself or if I'm asked for it by others is to make sure that you get a great buy. There's no shortage of great properties, but there are not always great buys. And to not be emotional about it, to be objective and to, to make sure that We've all heard the old adage, you make your money going into the deal, not coming out of the deal. You make your money on the acquisition, not on the sale. And I believe that to be accurate. So the advice is to make sure that you're getting a good buy and that it makes sense. The only time that I ever bought properties that weren't at least a break-even were when we were in a rapidly appreciating market. And I knew that the market was appreciating so fast that that would more than overcome any negative cash flow I had. But as soon as I saw a market starting to change, those would be the properties I would always sell. You know, mm-hmm. if I look back to like 2005, I could see and sense that the market was going to shift. And I looked at all the properties I owned at that stage and asked myself, which ones am I not willing to carry for the next 10 years? And there were four or five that either had negative cash flow or would be problematic to hold for 10 years or didn't have good mortgages or whatever the case might have been. And, and so in 2005, those properties were sold. What would you look for now to identify a shift in the market? And do you see one? I've always looked at the same thing, and that is simply supply and demand. So in any given market, looking at how many homes are for sale, how many went pending in the previous 30 days. And then when you're looking at that over time, month after month after month, you start to see trends. You start to see demand starting to wane or supply starting to grow. And those are the indicators of eventually prices changing and markets shifting. So that's what I look at. I think your second question was, when do I see the market shifting? Yeah, do you see it shifting now? The market always shifts in a finite period of time, let's say a three or four or five year period of time. There might be a general trajectory, might be an upward trajectory or a downward trajectory. But even during those upward trends or those downward trends, there's times where it flattens out or speeds up or slows down, and that's constant. What most people talk about when they talk about a shifting market is the general trend of the market, the complete market trending in a different direction. So we haven't seen that start to happen yet, but we're closer to that happening than not. The only time you know you're at the top of the market is when prices start going down. That's the only true indicator. The only true indicator of being at the bottom of the market is when you see prices going up and you know that was the bottom. So it's impossible to time it, but you can see when it's starting to happen and watch the trajectory or the trends start to shift and change. I don't think for the remainder of 2017, market's going to change much from where it is right now. 2018 and 19, I think if it's going to slow down or inventory is going to grow and rate of sales start to drop off, that's when it would happen. But there's no guarantee that that will happen. I think it's a different world we live in now, and there's different factors that impact the market. 
And the demographics are changing, and we have to take into account those demographics. That if they weren't changing, we'd probably start to see the market already shifting. But there's a big group of buyers that over the next three to five years will be entering the market that could prolong a strong market. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure. All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there, too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Ready to bring your real estate investing dreams to life? Learn how to get focused, gain momentum, and the proven roadmap to make it happen with the Time for Investing Masterclass. Doors for enrollment are now open. Reserve your spot today with Neva at Neva, N-E-V-A, at timeforinvesting.com. Chris, what's the best ever book you've read? I just reread it again and gave it to my daughter to read. Possibly The Psychology of Winning would be one of the best. Best ever deal you've done that you haven't mentioned? Personal deal? Yep. Was cold calling out of area owners. Talked to a guy in Chicago, owned a house in my marketplace. Said, yeah, actually, I was just thinking I wanted to sell it. I just had an appraisal done. Did appraised for this. And I said, great, I'll buy it for that. And it turned out to be a great investment. <laughs> Simple enough. How many calls did you have to do to get to that point? Yeah, I called for 29 years. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Hundreds. Yeah, thousands. thousands. thousands yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Hundreds and thousands of them. Everything from representing that there was a refrigerator included when there wasn't to there's so many I probably have tried to block them out. Um, <laughs> I know there's been some bigger ones and it would definitely focus on minimizing them, but things still happen. I don't know. Unfortunately, there haven't been a lot of big ones, just a lot of little ones. On just the refrigerator example, what's the solution when you say there's a refrigerator included, but there's not? I always take responsibilities for our mistakes and own them. And if I have to buy a refrigerator, because that's what the expectation was, the deal was how the deal was represented and I'm buying a refrigerator. Best ever way you like to give back? In every transaction, there's an opportunity to give back, and that is to the quality of the service and the experience that we provide to the client. So that's one way that I always give back. And the other agents that are involved, too, making sure that they have the best experience possible. But I've also done lots of things with make donations for every home I've sold at certain times and certain years to different causes, whether it's the Boys and Girls Club or different charities. How can the best ever listeners either get in touch with you or learn more about your company? Our website is hellerthehomeseller.com, hellerthehomeseller.com, or call us toll-free at 800-800-2978. And lastly, they can email me at chris at hellerthehomeseller.com. Chris, thank you for being on the show and talking about your opportunity-focused investing mindset where the purchases you've made have been opportunity purchases, number one. The second thing that stood out is what we talked about earlier, 
where you price your rentals so that there's a lot of demand. Therefore, you can be more selective and the tenant or resident knows that they're getting a good deal. Therefore, it's likely they will stay longer and save you more money in the long run. And the third thing that stood out, among many others, is when I asked you about performance, you mentioned returns, but then you also talked about different ways to analyze deals. And one of them is how much of a non-hassle they are. And you referenced the 1993 tenant who has been there since, well, since 1993. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for talking through these things among others. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you soon. Joe, thank you. The pleasure is all mine. Ready to bring your real estate investing dreams to life? Learn how to get focused, gain momentum, and the proven roadmap to make it happen with the Time for Investing Masterclass. Doors for enrollment are now open. Reserve your spot today with Neva at Neva, N-E-V-A, at timeforinvesting.com.